You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. <laughs> Welcome to the Afterlife. We have, um, we're doing these shows uh, more and more like this, where me and Tommy are just rapping. The people want to know what Bill has to say. People want to know what you have to say, Tommy. People, <laughs> people did shit on you for your last thing about Chappelle. I, I think I read one of them. One of them was just like, I can't believe he wants other comics to push the envelope so that he can push the envelope. Wasn't he fucking pushing the envelope? Well, that's not my, I don't, I'm not an envelope pusher, okay? That's not your thing. You don't think as a comic your job is to be, unless you're working on a cruise ship, you don't think that's part of the implicit in the job that you push the envelope? I like to push the envelope of silliness. <laughs> okay. I like to be more silly than anyone else. What would that mean? What does that look like? <laughs> Just doing, you know, crazy voices. <laughs> you know, talking about maybe dump truck culture or something. Dump truck culture. You know, I... Is that a real thing that you talk about? <laughs> How does that go? <laughs> well, I, I talk about dump trucks, and then I go, what you hauling? And I just say that for like 10 minutes, you know? Crushes, crushes. Does people. it really? Melt, they melt in their seats. Oh, I love oh, all Every rooms. single time. Yeah. <laughs> Try it in Long Beach Laugh Factory, see what happens. No, yeah, I'll bring it down. <laughs> <laughs> all right, anyway, so yeah, Tommy, by the way, if, for those who don't know, he is a comic. He is very funny. He's a young kid. He's going to do very well for himself. I'm such an old Jewish mother. Anyway, um, so a couple things we want to talk about today. First of all, I just did a, a, a video with Trisha Paytas, who's on the podcast, probably like a year ago now. She's one of the first yeah. ones, right? It's on um, YouTube. Check it out. And I guess we've known each other for a long time. She was 18, and she was a, a server at the Laugh Factory. And she was like, I used to watch you host at the Laugh Factory 10 years ago. And she's like, oh, and you're still hosting? Anyway, whatever. I don't care. But um, she... Uh, this is a funny story. If you watch the Trisha Paytas podcast, or l- watched it, that'd be weird. But if you listen to it, uh, she talks about a celebrity who, when she was an escort, took her to Chuck E. Cheese, uh, told everyone that she was his daughter, and then would like grab her boobs and grab her ass in front of children. Now, this is the pre-cell phone era. This is probably like mid-2000, early 2000s. So you could do stuff like that and not be like, oh, someone got on their cell phone. <laughs> and then afterwards, he brought her home to his house in Malibu and got naked and shot guns at her until she ran out of the house. It's a funny, it's a funny weird, kind of bizarre story. Also terrifying. She did not mention who the celebrity was. Of course, she told me who it was afterwards. I'm never saying anything. But apparently, said celebrity called her a week after the podcast and said said, how dare you say that story? That's not even true. That's not what happened. I never shot guns at you. And they had a whole thing. And apparently the celebrity was tweaked out of his mind when he called her. And the only thing that I could think of when she was telling me the story about how she was scared about this phone call was, oh my God, this guy listens to my podcast? <laughs> that was literally like the only thing. It's like that old classic joke about an actor thinks his wife is having an affair, so has a detective. The detective follows the wife around and a man goes over to their house, fucks the wife all day, goes back to the actor, goes, look, you're right, bad news and bad news. Your wife is having an affair. He goes, oh, my God, and uh, it's your agent. And the actor's like, my agent came over? 
It's a classic story. I'm not worried about her welfare. I'm like, wow, blah, blah, blah. Um, Showbiz, Likes baby. my podcast. So that was cool. So uh, Trisha, so this was the same day. Like, check it out. Check out the video. It was a try to make me laugh video. We put water in our mouths and we try to make each other laugh. And I realized I don't think it's possible to make me laugh so that I'm spit out water. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you have to. Did she not get you? No. Spoiler alert. I mean, I spit a <laughs> lot of water at her because alert. she was so mean to me, talking about my career and what a loser I am. Oh, my God. That I just spit water on her anyway, just to, <laughs> just to be like, screw you. Um, but I'm like, wow, am I dead inside that nothing's going to make me laugh? Not like things don't genuinely make me laugh, but if you're prepped to laugh, you have water in your mouth, what's going to make you like, blah? Right. I'm just not that guy. Yeah. Maybe as comics, we just, that's hard to laugh. I, I, okay. Which segues nicely into what we want to talk about today. Paper Tiger. Paper Tiger. The new Bill Burr special on Netflix. I watched it last night. I was a little bit stoned. Not a lot stoned. Right. Like at that perfect level of stoned where you're getting everything, you're getting nuances, but you remember it. And you're like, wait, what was the thread of logic here? Um, (laughs) And I laughed out loud Several times, yeah, by myself. Very good. Now, when you're watching a special and you laugh out loud alone by yourself, that's a really weird thing because yeah. I can't tell you how many hours of TV and videos I watch where I kind of smile and I nod and I go, huh. maybe I'll go, huh, yeah, I get that. Yeah, I think when I watch Ch- Chappelle's special, maybe I laughed out loud once or twice. Mm. I laughed out loud more in Burr's special, and uh, I want to talk about this because I think that. It's amazing that these two specials come out back to back, like one week after the other. And I think these specials, and you may argue about this with Chappelle, but I think they're both seminal um, comedy specials. And by seminal, I mean, I think both of these specials are important and they change the game and they open doors and they are representing two of the best comics of all time at the absolute peak of their game. Now, I don't know if this is true or not, but Chris Rock, Tambourine, was, was good. I liked it. It was great. Yeah. But there is a feeling with Chris Rock that his best special, he, he had it. Yeah. It's done. His bigger and blacker. Right. You can't beat it. And everything he does. Or bring the pain, depending on. I, which, which, which is the one where, like, where's my big piece of chicken? Does that bring the pain? I don't remember. Bring the pain is the one that is, like, all black audience in the theater. He's pacing back and forth. I think bring the pain was the first one, right? Yeah, that was the one that really blew him up. So yeah, I'm thinking that, bring, that, that's right, a, right. The, so both both great. I mean, again, Chris Rock's special that's considered one of the best specials of all time, and uh, I think that this special by Bill Burr for me was his strongest special, and I have a theory about it. The re- reasons why. First of all, what people don't realize when you're a comic, on some level, you're almost always catering to a business or a financial structure, a community that you're trying desperately to be a part of. Let's do a quick sidebar. What are you looking at, Tommy? I'm looking at a list of all of his specials. Whose specials? Bill Burr. Bill Burr, okay. How many has he done? Six. This six. is his sixth. Um, and I think that like corporate interests are part of, part of the equation. And I think that particularly when you're working with Comedy Central and stuff like that, there's a lot of, uh, what, is it, what does David Chappelle say, standards and practices right. that you have to... Mm-hmm. According to so, um, my feeling with this with Bill Burr because he's fifty now, maybe he's fifty one now. Fifty one, yeah. Um, I think he, he has a kid. 
Yep, he's been married for he, maybe four years. He has a podcast where he is the sole owner, entrepreneur. He's set. He doesn't have to pander to anyone. Not, not only is he set, but moving forward, he doesn't need money from anybody. No. He doesn't need— Him to, and Chappelle are both in this unique position. Yes, they're both in a very unique position. And I would say that I think Burr, in a way, weird way, is maybe even a more unique— I got the feeling from Bill Burr's last special— even more than Dave Chappelle, because Dave Chappelle did kind of play with the apology of like, I shouldn't say this, mm-hmm. and I don't know, and he kind of knew about the backlash. Bill Burr, he spoke in such a way where it it was comp- one of the most unfettered performances I've seen, and I didn't, I felt like it was without apology. There was no moment where he backtracked, and if he did backtrack, it was only to enfold the joke into a better punchline. So I thought it was masterfully done and I think it's his best special and I think he knows it too at the end hold up (laughs) that's a loud one Um, (laughs) it was fire back in the yard back in the yard he um god damn it's so weird if you think about this all represents people dying you know what I mean yeah this means people are dying or someone's house is on fire and you're just like, oh, how annoying. Back to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you think about that. This represents a horrible tragedy. We're like, oh, God, can those, can those sirens be a little less loud? <laughs> anyway, um, so I think, and, and I want to talk about a lot of stuff about it. First of all, um, he's also in a unique position where he has galvanized an audience that is a Bill Burr audience. Right. So the amount of people at where was it Royal Albert, uh, Royal Albert Hall? Hall? That's hard in, to say. Uh, I believe London. It's hard to say is for it, white trash like it's me. In England, Royal Hello. Albert for and I thought that was a really cool idea that he did in London because every once in a while he do like little digs at London and I yeah. think it was also a way he was making a point, sort of metaphorically and also actually making the point of, yeah, good to be out of America. I and thought that climate. that gave such a cool context to the whole thing. Yeah. It's like he was almost one degree of separation away from all the things he was talking about. Mm-hmm. And he was like, it was like complaining to a friend being the British audience about this other person who's been really fucking around with you. Yeah. You know, because every other special is in the United States. Of course. So it feels a bit more personal, but this felt a little bit... Um, removed yeah it almost like opened him up so where he could really let loose because yeah. he wasn't around the people that he's talking about exactly yeah. like he was talking to a therapist almost like yes exactly like a british therapist whether whether it was true or not there was a feeling in his performance that he was um it was scandal proof right because of where he was and that he'd removed himself and because of his age he was like look what i'm saying is not going to create a scandal because, first of all, you're all fans, you all pay tickets, and you're in England. And it kind of felt like the audience felt more free to laugh at it because I'm sure they have a similar culture and there are th- similar things are happening in England. But it never felt like he was talking about the people in the audience. Yeah. It felt like he was talking about Americans. Yes. So they were just laughing. Yes. You know what I mean? Even at the most offensive stuff, he's like, ah, it's these American people who are, you Yeah. Know? <laughs> I, I don't know. I do know that when the Me Too movement was happening... And we'll get to what he, the subjects he was talking about. And obviously, one of them is the Me Too movement. I felt like when it was happening, I talked to uh, a friend in Germany who said, a female friend in Germany who said, you know, that's not here. 
Mm. Me Too literally isn't here. We don't have a Me Too march. It's not being bandied about. We're looking at it from the perspective outside looking in like, oh, there's a Me Too thing happening across the pond. In America. So I don't know if that's true with England. I think England and America culturally a little bit more overlap, a little bit more united. So maybe there was... I mean, can you think of anyone in England that suffered from a Me Too-ish episode? Can you think of anyone from England... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I don't know who, because I keep thinking of like Australian people, like the Hemsworths. No, they're Australian. Ricky Gervais. Who would care? I anyway? know that usually things that happen in America have a ripple effect, mm-hmm. and they kind of end up hitting other countries maybe a few years later. But you know, I definitely didn't remember any British celebrities that went down. Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting because Prince Albert, the Epstein thing, Epstein, the Epstein Island. That's at the same. Albert Hall that Bill Burr did, is it? No. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Wait, Royal Albert, what was it? What? Royal Albert Hall. That's not Royal related Royal Albert Hall. That's not related to Prince Albert, is it? No, no, we no, We should no. add a whole new old, level old of irony. Thing. Okay, but maybe his family? I don't know. He's, I think, you know how the British royalty always just names, they have like five names. Yeah, and they're all inbred, from. and that's why they have weird noses the and big 16th ears. The 16th or some shit, yeah. Yeah, so um, I think that uh, that was one Prince, but even Prince Albert, and his connection to Epstein sounds pretty awful. Like, you didn't really hear about it. Maybe because we don't really care about celebrities unless we're talking about the queen and the queen and the prince and There's the princess. a lot of celebrities who got implicated in that Epstein thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, we digress. Um, this is where I think Bill Burr is in a unique position. This is why I think this is his best special. Because, first of all, at this point, he's able to get an enormous crowd of fans in England. Right. Even three years ago, I don't think that was possible. Or I don't think it's a sold-out crowd where everyone knows who he is. Um, And one thing's different between Bill Burr and Dave Chappelle, and I think you might agree with me on this, is Dave Chappelle's a household name. And by that I mean you talk to your mom, I talk to my mom, you know Dave Of course I know Dave Chappelle. I saw the You know, everyone knows Dave Chappelle. Bill Burr, in our weird cloistered world, we think he's the most – he's a god – but you talk to 90% of the people on the street, no one knows who he is. He's as famous as like a niche comedian can be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Most people who are familiar with comedy, anyone familiar with comedy yes. knows him. Yeah. But he hasn't, and I think the difference is he hasn't had a mainstream TV show. Yeah. Right? I mean, Breaking but, Bad, but like he was a lead up. He, and He's, like F is for Family is a thing, but like nothing yeah. as famous as Chappelle's show. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a saying in, in Hollywood, which I'm tangentially a part of. Um, <laughs> You get rich on TV. I had my friends compliment the uh, the Wu Tang thing, by the way. The Wu Tang, like I love the Wu Tang thing. Oh, yeah. Well, they didn't see me on it, did they? I don't think. I, I don't know if they I saw don't think you, my episodes, but on they yet. liked the show. Wu Tang colon an American saga. Anyways, I interrupted you. Continue. So, uh, what the fuck was I talking about? You were saying the old Hollywood saying that you're tangentially. Oh, uh, oh, uh, oh, that if you get rich <laughs> on TV, you get famous on film. <laughs> right. So Bill Burr doesn't have his. He doesn't have half baked. Yeah, he doesn't have his breakout. And, you know, Dave Chappelle has been in a lot of movies. Yeah. He even did uh, A Star is Born. He was in that one Eddie Murphy movie, The Mad Scientist. <laughs> the Mad Scientist? Pluto uh, Nash? No, the, the fat scientist. Dr. Doolittle? <laughs> is that the one? No. Uh, oh, Nutty Professor. The Nutty Professor. Yeah. He was in A Star is Born, which is, which is <laughs> the by fat the way. scientist might not weird, have over as well. Weird casting. What is it? Star, oh yeah, Star is Born. That was oh weird. hey, my best friend Dave Chappelle. He uh, man, he crushed it as wise old black friend. Oh, he's got that. When I listen to Dave Chappelle's voice, I'm like, I gotta smoke more cigarettes. 
Yeah. He's got that <laughs> nice, like you listen to him, like you just lean forward. They do have very different, here's the difference between them as well. Dave Chappelle has a voice that draws you in. Bill Burr has a voice that goes to you. I'm coming to you with my fucking point of view. Yeah. It's very, That's a very pretty good boss. Bill Burr. And, uh, and Dave Chappelle has just got this like. <laughs> He's got that cackle. <laughs> and I felt that cackle. And I'm not always a fan of, of comics who laugh at themselves. And we talked about the fact that Dave Chappelle, he did the mic against the thigh and walk up stage like maybe like three or four more times than he really needed to do. But Bill Burr's cackle, I felt it was like a little boy who's like, <laughs> I'm being so dotty. Yes. It felt completely authentic. I think both comedians are boundary pushers. They're both very edgy, both Chappelle and Burr, and they both have that little tension breaker. Yeah. For Burr, it's the cackle. For Chappelle, it's the knee slap Yeah. with the mic. And that just kind of lets everybody know this is still a comedy special. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I said some crazy shit, but we're still having a good time here. Yes. And uh, like I said, one of the things I think that Bill Burr, why he's in a unique position where he's able to get, I keep using the word galvanize. I heard it once and I, like SAT word, he's able to galvanize such a huge group of rabid fans <laughs> in England for this special about American culture. And he's also doing it kind of as things have subsided a little bit in terms of outrage culture. At right. least there's, the pendulum has come back a little bit where outrage culture is being called a task a little bit. Right. Um, so it was the perfect timing uh, in terms of the chronology also, of everything. like, I said that thing about the Dave Chappelle special, almost like breaking the ice and kind of pushing the boundaries. Yeah. This special felt more free almost on the tail end of the Chappelle special. Interesting. You I know? wonder if they'd release them in a different order, we'd have a different I reaction. imagine they would be received slightly differently. Yeah. And what's also weird, this is something I found, because obviously they probably, I don't know if they're friends. I'm sure they know each other. Right. I'm sure they didn't. It almost felt like an alley-oop. Yeah. You know? Because although it addressed outrage culture, it addressed how hard it is to be a comic doing edgy stuff in today's time, but there was no- obsess over it. But, but also there was no cannibalism. Mm. They, they tackled completely different issues. Yeah, totally. And special. Like Dave Chappelle did the Michael Jackson. He did the LGBTQ. And Bill Burr was more about Me Too. And yeah, and this is also what I want to talk about. Because as I was watching the special, and I know no one's going to give a shit about this, but it was really hard to watch. Because there are three bits in his special that I've been doing for the past. And... and Obviously, I'm in no way saying that he took them or something, you know, took them and gave. I'm not saying that in any way. I'm You're saying very similar styles. The, the parallel thinking there, they were, the three bits are so similar that I have to lose them. The number one thing that I've been doing for a while, and anyone who sees my actual vouch for this, is I talk about how America is being ruined by white women. <laughs> and I use my examples. I go, particularly liberal white women, and I talk about. And I kind of go into vegan culture and I go into how liberal white women just make it their job to be offended on behalf of other races and other marginalized groups. As right. a matter of fact, I've been dealing with this shit. I have that silly joke on my Instagram right now, at Bill Dawes, where I say, <laughs> it sets up a heckling joke. And I just say... I like to imagine the amount of people listening to this that don't already follow you. Yeah, but I go, um, it's... Vegan food is a transgender of food. And then I say, I'm a soybean, but I identify as a buffalo wing. That's the joke. 
it's a pretty harmless joke, mm-hmm. right? Now, again, unlike Bill Burr, who has his audience, you're doing this. I'm the a guy public. into the void <laughs> to the general public. Yeah. So I haven't curried favor in the way that he has. And of course, there are going to be haters, but the amount of people who love Bill Burr and fans of Bill Burr are going to completely outweigh the haters. Mm-hmm. So I'm just in the, in the swamp. I'm in general population in prison. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. He's out with the VIPs in the special low security prison where he gets to like, go home sometimes and see his wife and go to the library. I'm in the yard with the Crips and the Bloods <laughs> and the Aryan Nation. And you know, so I'm dealing with lots of a lot of people who are just kind of – that joke is you're how like someone said something like I can't imagine someone find it funny to insult marginalized groups. So I wrote back, man, soybeans aren't that marginalized, <laughs> which I thought would be a nice icebreaker. Did you type in the, the headbird cadence? Huh? Did you type in the headbird cadence? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> I'm sure I was stoned when I wrote it. But um, so and that's a very simple joke. So I'm just putting out like a little boop. Like a um, there you go, Tommy. I'm de- this isn't me. Oh, this is you. Decline. Ooh. It's scam yeah. likely. Scam likely, of course. Of who, else, who calls people these days? Yeah. So uh, the one thing is, and when you're watching, if anyone's a comic, I don't know if there's anything comparable to it that you could think of, like maybe in business or where you're watching something and someone and you're just like, oh no, I can't do it anymore. Right. Like I can't say, you know, who's ruining America. It's white women. I'm telling you, everyone. There's been a Kaiser Soze poll, and everyone's saying it's white men. But I'm telling you, it's white women on the DL. They're running shit and they're ruining shit. And I've been saying that for a while. And of course, when I say it, I'm not getting applause breaks like Bill Burr because, again, I'm in the general population, and there are going to be people who are on board, and there are going to be people like fuck this guy. So right, and I I don't think the take that white women are ruining thing is exactly. the joke like i just like he's calling out the hypocrisy of white women attacking white men for having white privilege you know what i mean yeah that's the part of the bit that i liked yes well i guess like white women are saying like how dare you with your white privilege and it's like yes and he says hey you're in the jacuzzi here with me you know yes. what i mean like but he's also tying that in to the me too movement right right in a so later it's bit. not just about how we're in the same jacuzzi it's also about you white women are also falsely accusing men so which goes into the next thing where my joke got eaten and by eaten i mean i just can't do it anymore mm-hmm. i when i do this whole bit about going on the vegan how she would march all the time and she's part of the lgbtq ai plus sign community was this my amazon password i would say um i would say no i'm a big fan i've been i haven't been to the women's march i went with my daughter i go i'm a big fan of the women's march um you know, I, I, would, I had to pick a sign, hashtag time's up, hashtag me too, hashtag believe most women. And I just let that sit for a bit. Hashtag believe most women. And people are like, uh, I go, <laughs> come on, guys. That's what it should be, really. Yeah. Hashtag believe all women. Really? Doesn't that yeah. preclude the believe possibility? Believe all women with a background check. Yeah. Yeah. And those guys, as a, what I would say, which would go over like a Led Zeppelin, hashtag bleed all, believe all women. Doesn't that preclude the possibility of a cunt? Like, there are cunts. There are cunts out there. They right. do exist. I'm and not Bill saying Burr, anyone hears. Bill Burr says psycho. He says psychos. Yeah. You know, the woman who key your car. And that's obviously the more palatable response. And funnier, too. Psychos is a good word. Yeah. I uh, think, you know, I like that you say cunts. I think that's okay. But for me, it's like, 
it just off puts people enough that they get distracted from the message of the bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. It's like say what you will about trigger words, but if you're trying to get the message across, it's like it's almost a distraction because now they can only focus on the word and they lose all of the meaning. That's a good point. Or like the the subtext. I think I told I don't know if I told you this, but a friend of mine saw me last week at the Laugh Factory, and she's a I'm not saying she's a fan. She likes my comedy. She comes to shows. She brings friends. And she said, just so you know, and she was drunk. She goes, just so you know, um, my friends were really put off when you said the word retard hmm. and you're set. Because a joke I say is I'm you know talking to this vegan who's correcting my language, which is true. I said, uh, can we get the waiter? Well, the proper term is server. Well, do you know the girl? Went, she's not a girl. She's a woman. And I go, I can't say girl. Well, that's fucking retarded. And, so the, and I go, oh, that's right. You can't say retard. I do air quotes. You have mm-hmm. to say Trump supporter. Right. So I think we talked about this in the Chappelle yeah, episode, too. We did. So again, she said, you've really put people off by that, that word. And I think you're right, because the message is me mocking Trump supporters, I guess, sure. and mo- mocking piece of language. But when I say that word, it just is really jarring. Yeah. So when I said that precludes the possibility of a cunt, I probably... That's probably why the bit never really took off for me in the way that obviously he's working for Bill Burr. But so that was the second thing that made me go, ah, I got to lose that. I got to lose my hashtag believe all women joke, believe most women joke. Um, and he does it well. He, he, he goes through all the logic permutations. It's amazing. And then the third thing is the male feminism. And I swear my life, and I'm sure I have it recorded somewhere, I said, what is a male feminist? That's like me being a Black Panther. Yeah. I've said that at Chocolate Sunday. I've said that. And that's, that is literally the line. Right. That's the exact same joke. Yeah, that's and of course he does. And um, so I have to figure out. So all three of these, in a way, it's kind of good because it makes you realize, well, I must be on the right path right. in terms of what I'm thinking. Totally. Um, same thing when I talk about the LGBT community watching Dave Chappelle. I'm watching two masters do it better than me. I've had that happen to me a few times as well. Which is always humbling and cool to watch. Um, I think that part of the reason this special is also so seminal and groundbreaking and important and why he is, I think, on a different level now than he was even two years ago is he has a, he has a daughter. And yeah. I think that having a daughter, having being married and having a kid, I think it changes you in ways that you're not even aware of until it happens. And I just felt that the person that he was five years ago when... He kind of first really broke, and he had that bit. Can we talk about the epidemic of gold digging horse? Yeah. Can we talk. Why is it so quiet? There's this sort of not a nervous energy, but it was different than when he said, "Why is it so quiet this time?" Yeah. Because he said at one point, yeah, he goes, a, "Hey, why is it so parallel. quiet?" Because it felt more like, "I know why it's quiet," and I'm calling back my earlier nervousness about talking about shit. Yeah. Th- those are my two favorite Bill Burr specials also. Yeah. The first one, Let It Go, I think is was my favorite special up until this point. And then this one, maybe now. Yeah. So why do you think that this special was better than Chappelle's special? What about it struck you as now, more... I'll tell you what. Um, I didn't really love Bill Burr's last special. What was that called again? It was called... I think it was like Walk Your Way Out or something. Here, let me... Yeah, oh, Walk yeah. Your Way Out. It felt, I think it was the black and white one. It felt kind of comparable to Sticks and Stones, okay. how it hit me. It felt like kind of rehashed old material, almost like a B-sides. 
Yeah. And that's what Sticks and Stones felt like to me. It felt like the B-sides of his past two specials. Kind of like, these are some more bits that I have, and I'm kind of mm-hmm. getting them off my plate. Yeah. And then this one felt like refreshed, new perspective, new ideas. Like, he's really going at it. Yeah. Like, there's no bits in there that... You know what I mean? It kind of had, he started with momentum, he started hard, and he kept going for the whole time. Yeah. And I imagine Chappelle will have a similar resurgence, at least to me. This is like me and my one good friend. We've been comedy fans forever, and we, we had the same feeling about uh, Sticks and Stones that we did, that old Bill Burr special. But this one felt fresh, felt new, it felt fearless. And also, like, it kind of felt like, he starts off at the first 10 minutes, it's kind of what... A lot of people would call offensive. It's very aggressive. Yeah, what was his opening thing? His opening thing was... Uh, He's talking about uh, the actor who played oh, the Brian disabled Cranston playing a, a, person. a paraplegic. Like, how did you prepare for this role? Oh, uh, well, I dove into the shallow end of a pool when I was 23. Oh, yeah. He's well, it's, about- it's a great point. He talks <laughs> about how... And it's so true. It happens in Hollywood how now if you're, if you're not exactly... Right. It's called acting. The actor... That the char- like for example, if you're a transgender character in a movie, mm-hmm. you can't be cast as a transgender character anymore and not be transgender, right? Which I'm okay with. Yeah, and I get that there are people who might be transgender that obviously because of that can't get other roles. Yeah, so it's like when it is a transgender character, it's like this is their big shot. Yeah. So they feel very left out, but yeah, I mean, cause there, there's some pretty egregious example, like Gary Oldman years ago, guys, we got, we'll look up this movie, Tommy, what is this movie? It's Gary Oldman, Matthew McConaughey, Jennifer Aniston. And I think it's called, it's not called leap year or little, it's, it's about little people. And Gary Oldman, I'm just going to say the N word. He plays a midget. Yeah. In the movie. <laughs> Gary Oldman. I, like- I guess it was before Peter Dinklage was on the scene. <laughs> sure. Um, but I guess... Oh, no. What's it called? <laughs> it's called Tiptoes. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, right now, <laughs> tonight. That is... Re- get on absurd. Amazon Prime. It's probably on Amazon, right? It's called Tiptoes. <laughs> and watch... That's the most offensive part Matthew of the McConaughey, for some reason, he's done some great movies. He has done some of the worst movies literally ever made he might like surfer dude and comes back bombs than any other oscar winner and he comes back killing the game yeah it's amazing the guy cannot fail so uh tiptoes baby but one of the most offensive parts is gary oldman was cast <laughs> he's such a great actor he can do anything he can play a midget of course that would never happen now no could you imagine Probably the backlash rightly so i mean can you imagine backlash the mid- they'd be like i mean there'd be a little bit of a backlash that almost sounds like a mad tv sketch yeah. In 2019, did you get the, the the bad joke? I did. There'd be a little bit of a oh, backlash. Nice. Half the people would be upset by it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Oh, you could do so many small people jokes. Well, what right pisses now. me off also is there'd be 20 percent of the population that's like, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Take that PC culture. Oh my God! So they, they cast Shaq as a little person. You yeah. know what I mean, that's what they would want. <laughs> Biggest dude ever. It's called acting. Yeah, and then uh, and then Scarlett Johansson was cast as a transgender person out of something and she had i guess they had to she dropped out or something because yeah. there's such a backlash that she was playing a transgender person she already has a little bit of a backlog of taking roles though who 
Scarlett Johansson. What roles? Everyone got mad at her because she was Ghost in the Machine, and it's an anime. Even though, oh. even though that's like she's playing a cyborg. Yeah, but she should be an Asian cyborg. Right, she should be an Asian cyborg. Yeah, right. That's like <laughs> Matt Damon in The Great Wall. Yeah. <laughs> you know what the funny thing about Matt Damon in The Great Wall? In China, they want Matt Damon in that movie. They cast Matt Damon because of course when they send it to China, they want an American star who's of a course. white guy. So yeah. it's it's all money decisions. And they only but... did Matt Damon because they couldn't get Mark Wahlberg. He is so huge in China. In China. <laughs> it's so funny. Mark Wahlberg, what's going on? I'm out of breath. Hey guys, come on. We got we got to defend from these Mongols. It is funny to think that a lot of American movies now are being cast and curated for foreign markets because that's where they make all their money. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's why I don't know if you noticed there are certain people that we look at as as gods and icons and legends, and they are. Will Ferrell, for example. Hell yeah. Will Ferrell can't greenlight his own movie with his own name. What do you mean by that? A studio is not going to do Will Ferrell in movie. Huh. It's going to be Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. Hmm. Will Ferrell and blah, 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 blah. Will Ferrell. But is he it's not, not popular overseas or something? He's not big enough overseas to above title, solo above title. Interesting. There's a lot of people like that that you're like, oh, they're huge movie stars, and they are, but they're not solo credit above title. Right. Will Ferrell's had a few duds recently. Yeah, that's And I say that as reason. someone where he's my lock screen. You know what I mean? Yeah. I fucking love him. But. <laughs> so, so that was the first bit about that. And I think that isn't really offensive. I think that's sort of, not safe, but that's an ease. He's easing into easing into what's going to become a lot more. The Michelle Obama bit would probably put a lot of people off. Yeah, the Michelle Obama, that's, I was talking to someone about the Michelle Obama bit. He basically says, Michelle Obama, here's what Bill Burr does. And if you guys haven't watched it, you do watch it. And here I am, I sound like a mansplaining. <laughs> Let me tell you what he does. But I feel that he does this and Louis C.K. does he this. He does his hardest bits right in the first 10 minutes too. I even read yeah. an article that says the first 10 minutes dare you to turn it off. But then he kind of like gets sensitive and opens up he and does. very introspective. You know what's so funny? And I'll get back to your point in a second. I was talking to someone in the office before I came over here. And they said that the first 10 minutes or they said they watched the special, quote unquote, and that it seemed kind of like too far and hateful at times. Let me guess. It was a white woman who said this. Uh-uh. It was a white guy who watched it with his wife. <laughs> <laughs> and um, And I was like... Really? I kind of thought that it was pretty good. And then he reveals to me a few minutes later that he only watched the first 10 minutes. Wow. And I was like, dude, that part is the hardest to get through if you have the PC urge. And after that, in the context of the whole hour, it's like uh, the rest of the special almost explains and informs his opinions in the first 10 minutes. Interesting. I love how he opens up and he talks about his childhood and the kind of being raised in this angry environment and how he's trying to undownload these toxic habits and thoughts, but he's kind of almost a prisoner to them. Yes. But he also then uses it because his whole brand is like, I'm the angriest man in the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and then he, uh, he's unleashing that on what he sees as hypocrisy in American society. Anyways. Okay. It's true. So it's just interesting to see that like, if you just watch the first 10 minutes, you might have this one opinion of it. Yeah. But then in the context of the whole thing, like if you wrote an article that was angry at the special, it would be about the first 10 minutes for sure. Yeah. Anyways. I yeah. think that, um, well, I think there's probably a lot of, we'll see. I mean, it didn't hurt Dave Chappelle, all the backlash. Of course. They're way too big to be hurt. There's yeah. someone like too big to fail banks or something, you know? 
and it's also interesting the way it is in America right now that when the backlash that occurs will be met with an equal amount of support from Republicans. Yeah, totally. If people come after Bill Burr, Fox News is going to become all of a sudden the biggest Bill Burr fans on the Ugh, planet. As the way they are that. as the way they are Chappelle fans now. Totally. All these Fox News guys are all oh we're huge Chappelle. No, you aren't, motherfucker. You were talking about what Bill Burr did. So this is what this yeah. is what he this is what he does in general. I don't know if I read this or I heard this, but I started paying attention. It's such a great idea as a comic, and I love this idea. He will say a statement that's a thesis statement. Yes. It's almost like he's using the scientific method mm-hmm. that is incredibly the statement as alone, standing it's provocative. alone. Provocative. Just an awful statement. Yes. And and I'll paraphrase. Basically like Michelle Obama hasn't isn't why why is she famous? She hasn't done shit. Right. Um uh feminists aren't that smart. Yes. Uh I can't stand Stephen Hawking. I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> um, so he 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 will take a really awful statement that you go <gasps> another one. Here's what's funny about sexual assault. Yes, and he literally says that. Yeah, here's what's funny about sexual assault. And you know, there's no just on its own yeah. defending that. So so and here's then yeah. here's what he does. So if by the way, if you were to do a mashup and take all of this sort of headlines of these bits and put them together, you'd be like, what a piece of shit. And in a way, that's what they do in these hacky fucking yes. stand-up trailers yes. that they put on the fucking head screen of Netflix. It's so infuriating. But here's what he does. He says a statement that no one in their right mind will agree with or mm-hmm. get behind. Yeah. But then he proves it with rigorous, completely defensible logic that you can't crack he'll defend it with rigorous bulletproof logic and one of the ways he'll do it for example michelle obama he'll say you know what did she do did she do it? look at Barack obama we came in office he looked like he was 41 he left right. when he was 73 michelle obama looks better she looks younger yes. than she entered which is true like you can't deny the fact that michelle obama has now become not a sex symbol but people look at her as like an object of glamour which sure. was not the case when she entered office right you know I mean, there was a lot of these weird Fox News racist attacks saying yeah. that she looked manly and stuff. You know, the typical stuff that yeah. fucking some people on the right will say about black women, which yeah. kind of makes me mad, but whatever. The other thing the other thing Burr does, which is very cool, which is I think what allows him to get the whole audience on his side, is he'll say something like that, like Michelle Obama kind of married her way into this success and fame. Like, how is she writing a book she about not having right a dick. job for eight years, right? I'm, you got to pass over the, the represent, state representative dick, the presidential dick. <laughs> hilarious, hilarious. Whereas, but then he'll flip it on his head and he talks about Oprah's husband. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he talks about whenever there's a female president for the first time and they have a husband, all the feminists are going to be like, shut, shut the, the fuck, fuck up. up. This is her time. And yes. I think that is a great point. That's a great point. That even uh, that anyone would have to see uh, well, as reasonable. Again, he, yeah. he does the thesis. Yes. And then he uses every method, Socratic method, scientific method, to defend his it, thesis. You're kind of like, yeah. But that's flipping is part of the way he defends the thesis. Totally, totally. He goes, I'll defend the thesis this way. To the straight logic and then the reverse logic, look at this way. Look at it from a different point of view. And he does that with everything. He always flips it right at the end. He waits just long enough, you know? Another perfect example is he was talking about the Elvis documentary. Oh, that, that was a great bit. That, that was, was one a, of my favorite parts. That's, and I think that bit is one of my favorite bits for a number of reasons. Here's at Mia fucking Mars. What's up, boys? <laughs> <laughs> um, so funny. 
Just because you're just a constant guest on this podcast. I love it. Yeah, because I live right next door. So um, the Elvis, one of the things that was interesting about the Elvis bit too, because it was the first time in a special, at least for me, where I heard Bill Burr talk about his wife being black. Right. Which I'm sure most people would have Unless they're fanatic right Bill Burr fans, right. don't know that. I mean, if you listen to his podcast, right, he's right, on right, it a right, lot. Right. For sure. But for the people who don't listen to his podcast, which a lot of the Netflix audience probably is. Totally. Um, because podcasts for a lot of people are still like, what's that? Um, they were like, they know this guy from certain things. They've seen specials. And they go, oh, he has a black wife. And of course, he was like, look, I'm not saying like black versus white, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely added a level of... Not authenticity, it, it almost sort of credibility to everything he said. Like his black, powerful, strong wife has vetted this, presumably. Right. She knows everything he's saying, mm-hmm. and they're married and they have a kid. It kind of so. makes his bits about white women a little funnier to me. Yes. Because it's like these are conversations that they might have had. Oh, for sure. Right. Yeah. And maybe she elucidated some of that to him. Um, but the Elvis bit, and of course, spoiler alert, whatever. It's such a it's such a great concept because, and I'm sure it's one of those bits. And every once in a while, you stumble upon these where they're completely true. Yeah, it struck me that it happened almost exactly like that. They're watching yes. Elvis documentary. He's just digging it, and she's getting upset by all the weird, latent sort of passive aggressive racist comments made by him and the people around, maybe Elvis and people around Elvis, about the difference between bluegrass and the blues mm-hmm. and all this sort of hidden secret and. He was they call being, the dirty, down the dirty low, blues, disgusting and the blues. angelic bluegrass, right? Mm-hmm. So that coded racism, and she makes him aware of that, and then talks about cultural appropriation. Now, cultural appropriation has always been something that I don't know how I feel about that term. I right. feel like it's like mansplaining. It doesn't really mean anything. Like there is an example of it being authentic. But then there are also people with everything who take it too far to a place where it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And it hurts well, the Just the idea the that thing. if you're a white person, you can't partake in or be a part of a culture that black people created or at least is a weird from thing. things that you see. You know what I mean? So Eminem is culture appropriation. But right. why isn't he just a white guy who did And then so his point was when she brings up the culture appropriation that Elvis did with his music, which I think is pretty much proven and true and that he didn't he's give a the shout ultimate out. icon of cultural appropriation yes because he did even give credit or shout out or the leg thing and, and it's also like this is in a time especially when a white artist is the only thing that would sell to a white audience yes so they st- they steal all of the moves in the music and then they give it to a white face yeah and then it sells yeah and this is happening less and less but yes that's the start so of bill it. bar's next step is he goes well i'm not getting mad at, at black people when i see him on a skateboard right appropriating <laughs> these like trashy white kids from santa monica which is totally true it right comes totally from, like, lower class and so the wife is laughing and the most successful skateboarder is Nigel houston yeah yeah of course so then he says and you never you never hear it being you never hear culture appropriation going the other way going the other direction which is fine and then he yeah. says, and the wife <laughs> is, is laughing. Fine, which is fine. They're great. And all of a sudden he goes, yeah, you never hear like me complaining when you fly from New York to L.A. in under six hours. And I was like a needle scratch. He right. goes, I know I went too far. That was fucked up. And right there you, could, you can feel the audience kind of going, where are you going to go with this? And this is why Bill Burr is a master because I'm going, where are you going to go? But I trust him. I know that wherever he goes is not a place I'm ahead of, mm-hmm. number one. It's a place that's authentic, number two. And it's going to fucking be funny. So 
what he said was, um, she said, well, why would you say that? And she's kind of giving him a teachable moment. He goes, well, you're right. Black people won't give the resources at the time. They weren't able to, you know, the same yeah. opportunity to, to invent that. But that's why they white people invented planes and non-black people. Yeah. She goes, good for you. He goes, but if they were inventing planes, they wouldn't have been impressed and they wouldn't have made that great fucking music. The music would have suffered. You got to choose. Yeah. Yeah. You got to choose which one. And that's also, again, a great point. A, a, a bad thesis mm-hmm. defended with argue with logic that you cannot argue with. And then he flips it. And then he flips it. You cannot argue with the logic that, like, yeah, if black people didn't come from a history of oppression, some of the most amazing things they've created artistically and entertainment wouldn't exist, arguably. It's like watching a master chef, you know? Yeah. Where they go, here's like five weird ingredients. Yeah. <laughs> Make a souffle. It's like, whoa. And he's able to do it. What's he going to do with this? Yeah. Um, so what was your favorite bit in the, in the special? Was that one, the one about the, with his wife? It's also just great to see someone have a, that one felt really authentic and cool and, and stood out to me. Uh, <laughs> what, what else? The robot thing was interesting. Cause that the was robot thing of... was interesting. I think Whitney Cummings kind of totally handled that in her special. Oh, I just like see sex that. robots. I think she had like a whole very in-depth. I mean, that she seemed brought to be... a sex robot out on stage. That looked like her, right? That looked like her. Was it a sex robot that, mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And she almost interviewed it. She let it do one of the punchlines because she talked that. about could this robot ever emulate a real woman? Like yeah. that's what her whole thing was. And uh, so I don't think Burr's bit was quite as good as that, but it was a good bit. Yeah. And, and he um, does kind of, he does admit to toxic masculinity as a thing that just exists. And right. guess what? It's always going to exist I until loved, people are dead. I loved the way that he talked about how he has been a product of this kind of toxic masculinity and like a father with anger issues and how he doesn't want to pass that same toxic trait down to his kid and how he's struggling with that. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's a really interesting kind of... And again, it's a great way to get the audience on your side. I feel like a lot of... You'll see a lot of awesome women with awful, horrible, mean men. Yeah. And sometimes it's because at one point that mean man got a little bit drunk and he goes... You know, my father never told me he loved me. And that woman will stick around yeah. for the next two years mm. because of that hint of vulnerability. So that amount of vulnerability they talks about his past, like it, it gives him leeway to kind of go into darker places where you go, again, Yeah, I see where it's coming from. Right. I know where it's coming from. Where is this coming from? He's like the most angry, sensitive man in the world. Exactly. And when you listen to his podcast or whatever... And you watch him interact with his wife. It's clear that he loves his wife yes. and respects his wife. It's also clear that they probably butt heads a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's also clear that at the end of the day, it's because he knows he has to work on his shit. Yeah. Um, I love he, he has the one line where he's like, I'm crushing everything. everything. Okay. <laughs> I make a ton of money. I'm there for the kid. I yeah. pay for everything. This, that. The only thing she has on me. Is who I am as a person. <laughs> <laughs> that's so. That's such a good that's summary. Because you could say yeah. that any comic could take that and have that be their centerpiece for their act, and it's such a great. But that's one of those bits. Like fuck, I wish I said that. That's yeah, great. Um, anyway, so that's why do you think it's called Paper Tiger? What does Paper Tiger mean again? I forgot what it was. It was uh, Paper Tiger is essentially something that looks mean and vicious and dangerous, but when you actually get up close, it's just a Aww. fake facade and you push it right it's over. It's just a nice, sensitive guy then. And I think that it's a metaphor for who Bill is and also a metaphor for this White kind women. of media 
Outrage they, culture. Outrage culture. So it kind of works both ways. It's yeah. a good title. And I love the fact that the last image on the special is him on stage in front of the empty audience holding With his, his daughter. Yeah, yeah, it's really beautiful. Um, anyway, so I think that's our breakdown. Of, is there anything else you want to add to that? No. I think it's, I think it's look, I don't, get any, <laughs> I don't get anything from this. I think it is, again, like with Chappelle, I think it's a seminal special. I think it's his best special. I think he knows this is his best special. I think when he was done, he knew he did something important. Yeah. And I'm going to be curious to see what the what the I love the direction, too. Are. Yeah. Yeah. Everything about I wouldn't great. be surprised if this gets much more positive reviews in the media than the Chappelle special. We should check it out on Rotten Tomatoes. And maybe it's... Uh, it, there's also something about, like, picking on the trans community versus, like, feminists. Yes. It's just, like... Maybe there is an element of feminism as the movement and like white women as a group are much more powerful and greater in numbers because it's almost that group that gets mad at the transgender thing as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see how the, the media covers it. Yeah, we'll have to check it out on Rotten Tomatoes when we get off. All right, that's it. That's our time. All right, thank you for tuning in. Bye-bye. It's the after left, after left. Welcome to the after left, after left, after left, after left, man. <laughs> Go ahead and pull up a chair. <laughs> <laughs>